Welcome to Practicing Theology, a podcast dedicated to helping you explore the Christian faith through clarity, charity, and conversation. I invite you to join me on this journey as I seek to understand a wide array of Christian doctrine and the implications that doctrine has on our walk with Christ. You can find more information at practicingtheology.org. You can also find us on social media. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Practicing Theology. Uh, This is the first video, first episode, first whatever we want to label it. Um, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. You may not be looking forward to it. It is um, just going to be an introduction video today. I want to kind of lay out... Uh, what exactly practicing theology is, give you a short introduction to myself. Um, you'll get a, a, a greater introduction uh, in my next episode. But but this first week, I really just want to talk about what practicing theology is. And so <clears throat> my name is Mark Sparks. Uh, I'm just a, a, a little guy in uh, North Carolina, uh, born in Colorado, uh, did undergraduate in Wyoming, and now I'm in uh, doing my Master's of Divinity uh, here in North Carolina. I finished my Master's of Theological Studies last year, um, so just going on to the next degree. Uh, the MDiv, I, Lord willing, isn't going to be a terminal degree for me. Uh, I'd like to continue on to uh, possibly get a THM and then a, D, a PhD as well, but that's all Lord willing, of course. So, um <clears throat> I've got a lot of notes here. I've got a lot of content I want to get through, so I'm going to go ahead and jump right in because I want to lay out what is practicing theology. And I've been trying to, uh, this past year, just kind of figure that out. Uh, I've got 50 different things I'm interested in, uh, a lot of different things that I think are worth and that are important talking on. Um, but I've really been trying to figure out, okay, what in the world am I doing with this? I've been writing a little bit, um, been praying about doing some type of vid- vid- videos uh, or something in a more uh, visual manner just because that's the, the world we live in. Uh, I doubt anyone's reading the things that I'm actually writing because um, we're just more attracted to <clears throat> a visual medium. Uh, and so I've been just kind of praying through what I want this to look like. So um, what is practicing theology? That's the first question I have here. And, and at its very, um, at, a, at a very broad conceptual level, um, I really just want to see practicing theology as an educational project. That's the, the, the conceptual notion of practicing theology. What I want to do is I want to help provide uh, a really well-rounded and clear exploration of Christian doctrine. Um, that's something that's always been important to me uh, is to get a good, well-rounded, clear understanding of what is being articulated. Um, and so I really want to start to provide that. I don't, I don't feel that there's a lot of that going on, um, especially in, uh, the, the, the digital medium, the, the, the world of YouTube and Twitter, uh, there's not really good, clear exploration of Christian doctrine. Some of that's just the nature of social media and the nature of, uh, even the way that social media constricts our ability to communicate. Uh, but then that's also having to do with, you know, different, uh, sin issues as well. Uh, a lot of, uh, lack of clarity, a lot of disunity, a lot of things like that. So all that to say, sorry, I got off my soapbox. All that to say is that I really want to uh, begin to provide uh, some more well-rounded and clear exploration of Christian doctrine. And so it, it's going to be an intermediate level. So um, 
it's it's not going to give you just the, the broad stuff. I really want to uh, take a doctrine and look at it and go a little bit deeper. Try to understand a little bit more of its uh, exposition or explication. I want to begin to look at it more completely Um But I don't want that to intimidate you. I want this to still remain uh, something that's accessible. I want it to remain something that um, anyone who's interested in theology or a particular doctrine could um, watch a video or read an article and be able to grasp what is going on. Because again, I I said again, I haven't said this yet, um, theology is... uh, can be complicated, and it can be made more complicated uh, based on the terminology that we use and the large words that we love so much um, that make us sound really smart, but uh, it's not as complicated as it seems at times. And so I want to help to make um, theology a little bit more accessible, and I want to make it a little bit deeper for people who are just getting to know, who are wanting to learn theology. Again, this is an educational project. And so um, as a educational project, there are kind of three core tenets that I'm hoping to maintain within practicing theology. Uh, And these three tenets will kind of drive the content that I'm seeking to produce. Um, The three tenets are clarity, charity, and conversation. Um, And so I'm going to start with that first tenet there. Uh, The first tenet is clarity. And again, I've talked about the fact that theology is messy. Theology is complicated. Um, It's one of the things that I recognized when I first started to study it. All these words I had never heard used before, all these uh, concepts that just seemed really, really abstract. um, And and sometimes I didn't really understand where they were coming from. Um, And I think there's two things that make theology muddy. Uh, And so one, again, it goes back to the use of language in theology, um, you you have to get an understanding of the definitions of the terms. You just won't get far without understanding the reference of these words that we use in theology. Um, the other important thing with the use of language is the centrality of nuance. You'll see two different authors say two very similar sounding sentences because there's a lot of uh, similar principles they're looking to maintain, but there'll be one aspect of nuance, one way in which they'll say something differently and, and they'll be completely on opposite sides of a theological spectrum. So there is a very, very important centrality of nuance. And if you're not able to pick up on that nuance, Theology is going to feel a little confusing and messy, and you're not really sure why people are disagreeing. And so you've got to be able to tune into that nuance. So that's one thing that makes theology a little difficult. Uh, Let me check my time here. The other thing that makes uh, theology muddy or makes it a little uh, messy or unclear uh, is really the polemics and the rhetoric of theological discourse. There's a lot of... um, there's a lot of poor representations of, of Christian doctrine. There's a lot of poor representations of Christians, um, you know, who may explicate a certain doctrine a certain way. Uh, there is a lot of fighting for being the one who has obtained the truth. And so um, there's a lot of tactical things that are being done that may not even be dealing with the argument that the person is putting forth. Um, but they but they're not, sorry, I've lost my thought. (laughs) Um, So they're not dealing with the argument being put forth by the other person. They're, you know, setting up a straw man so they can kick it down, or they're misrepresenting that person to make them seem to uh, imply or entail some other 
thing but that the person's not attempting to articulate in the doctrine. And maybe there's a logical implication if there is. You've got to deal with that. Um, but again, it's more theology is made more messy by the people that are doing theology often. And so um, my hope is with doing this is I want to help bring some clarity in the theological process. It was so difficult for me to even just start to explore doctrine um, because I just couldn't quite get a hold of what the doctrine was based off of someone misrepresenting it or someone not being able to represent it clearly. Uh, it just was difficult. And so my hope is uh, that I can begin to do a different series on different theological doctrines and uh, provide some of that clarity. Um, and so with each series, I'll be doing three things. So I'll look to provide an overview of the doctrine. This will be uh, just a broad overview. What is it? What is the kind of historical development of the doctrine? I'll provide an exposition of the doctrine. I'll lay out uh, what are the things that uh, make up this doctrine? What makes this doctrine what it is? I want to provide an exposition of the, the, the thought behind the doctrine or the, the reasonings behind why they uh, asserted that certain theological principle. And then I want to provide a little brief examination. I want to look at some of the strengths of the doctrine. I want to look at uh, some of the opposition that the doctrine sees. I want to see... Uh, how it how it squares with uh, the the history of doctrine or the or, or historical theology, I should say. Um, I want to get a, a little bit of an examination, and again, this is not a polemical examination in which I'm looking to tear down the doctrine. Uh, the, this is me looking to say objectively, okay, what are the strengths and what are the weaknesses of this doctrine, and what are people saying? Uh, about this doctrine. And so my hope is for greater understanding in this uh, by identifying all the parts uh, of the all the parts of the doctrine and then engaging with it on its own terms. Um, and this, my hope is that for, for, for you as someone watching these videos is that, well, it will help you to enter into the conversation prepared. If you're looking to engage on a certain topic, uh, you will have a better, clearer understanding, more charitable understanding of that doctrine uh, that you'll have to engage with. My hope is to give you an argument at its strongest point and say, okay, if you disagree with this, these are the points you've got to engage with. Um, and this won't be perfect. Um, uh, my hope is that it'll help someone seek to understand Christian doctrine more clearly, but I can never be seen as being exhaustive or authoritative or final on any of these things. There's, um, there will, there will always be people who think that, uh, I, I went over too much or, um, there'll always be people who think I went over too little. Um, there'll people think there'll people that think that I misrepresented the doctrine and that's, that's there. If someone's giving that charge to me, uh, I encourage you to, to trace that out. So, you know, if they're, so if they're referencing someone who espouses that doctrine, cause my goal is not to, um, again, to tear down a doctrine. My, my goal is to represent the doctrine. So uh, if I'm failing in that goal, if I'm misrepresenting that, uh, doctrine, it's important for that to be chased out and, and if need be, I'll make a correction on it um, because, again, I want there to be clarity on doctrine uh, to prepare someone to be able to engage with it. Um, and I'm doing everything I can to avoid that misrepresentation. I'm trying to uh, research from the the main proponents, the main voices of those doctrines. I'm not, you know, getting a perspective on amillennialism from a premillennialist. And I don't want to find those terms right now. Um, all I'm trying to say is that I'm I'm going to that person and saying, what is your strongest argument? Why do you believe what you believe? Um, and so uh, 
there's also I'm 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 fallible. I'm not infallible. I'm fallible, uh, and there are many times where I myself may misunderstand a doctrine too. Uh, So if I am being unclear, uh, please, and I encourage you if you're watching these to to call me out, to show me other references to help me see the doctrine more clearly or more appropriately as they would understand it. Now there will be people who say, "Oh, you misrepresented you know this doctrine here." That person may not understand the doctrine, at least not understand it based upon the uh, explications of that doctrine by the key proponents of it. So um, it may be their own misunderstanding. So just because someone says I'm misrepresenting doesn't mean I necessarily am. Again, we go back to those main sources, the primary sources. Who are the main proponents of that doctrine? How do they articulate it? Uh, That's where we find the the centrality of what is being supported by the by those uh, theological propositions. Wow, I'm spending some good time here. Hopefully I can get uh, get done in my goal. So uh, that's the first tenet of practicing theology is the the idea of clarity, wanting to bring the- clarity to the theological uh, conversation. Uh, the next thing is charity, okay? Um, and this kind of goes hand in hand with clarity. These kind of these kind of all work together in some facet. There is a there's, there's an aspect of overlap between these tenets, but I think that they are worthy of looking at each of them individually. So, with charity, uh, again, this is wanting to give the other side an opportunity to plead their case. So, with 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 clarity, uh, you're going to see a lot of me. I'm going to be trying to lay out clearly doctrine. I'm going to try to uh, explicate a doctrine based on their own terms at their strongest point and put that before you. So that's part of the content I'm doing with clarity there. Now with charity, my hope is that uh, we can begin to bring on people to um, argue their case, to, to put their own case forward for a theological doctrine and, and Lord willing, be able to find people who are strong um, strong voices in those camps so they can really um, be heard and be heard on their own terms and not have someone else uh, taking, you know, five second clips or 10 second clips saying, oh, see what they believe, they're heretics. Um, no, let's, let's really be charitable and really hear the other side. Now, if they're heretics, then we, we judge them as such. It just, uh, charitability does not mean uh, acceptance. Charitability only has to do with our desire to understand and our desire to hear and our desire to engage faithfully uh, with what someone is saying. I think that uh, that requires intellectual integrity. And I mean, even if you go back throughout church history, people engaging with um, heretics throughout the centuries, uh, they were engaging with their arguments. They were demonstrating why their arguments were faulty or fallacious. Uh, They were engaging them um, on their own terms. And so uh, in the tenet of being charitable with practicing theology, my hope is to eventually begin to uh, bring people on because uh, we oftentimes we assess things within our own echo chambers. I want to go understand what this doctrine uh, thinks or how this doctrine fits. I go to someone within my own theological circle who I trust. I see what they say. I take their word as truth. Um, and then we kind of create this little echo chamber. We're all doing that. We're all bouncing ideas off each other and, and never really having any uh, open understanding of the other side. And this can lead to a lot of straw man and mischaracterizations, I think, just inherently. Um, everyone in a certain theological setting is beating up on this uh, dummy version of the doctrine while the actual doctrine is nowhere in the doctrine is nowhere in the area. Um, and then we then take this dummy version, this this straw man that we've created, um, and we take that as a paradigm of understanding, and then we hold everyone that 
espouses this doctrine to this false paradigm that we have created. Um, and so I think we've got to, we've got to get away from that. I, it's, 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 it's divisive for fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, I, I, I don't think it's fair. I don't think it's a, a way of doing a theology with integrity. And I think that when we do theology, we do have to maintain integrity. The, the, the principles of Christ-likeness have to permeate our theological method as well. Um, and so I think it's important that we actually hear another side and actually engage with it um, before we try to dismantle it. Um, and I think that sometimes we have a fear that if we are listening, uh, we are somehow affirming. If I'm if I'm reading the book of someone from another theological camp, or even really on the fringes of a theological camp, um, that I'm somehow affirming them. That if I'm willing to listen to them, I'm somehow saying that they are valid. And I just don't agree with that. I can I can listen and hear you make your case and, and completely disagree with you. I don't have to affirm you um, just by listening to you. Um, I think we also have a fear that if we listen, we might just be persuaded to change our minds. Uh, again, the, these echo chambers, we create these theological echo chambers, but it's it's a part of our society now. We have social media echo chambers where literally the only people we ever see at times are people that agree and think and act just as we do. Um, and I think that can be, you know, a, a new idea can be a little uh, dismantling to that structure that we've set up. And um, I don't sometimes we don't want to listen because we're, we're fearful that it might change our minds, that we might have to uh, think differently in the way we do it. That's not really comfortable for a lot of people. Uh, and again, I'm making a lot of broad generalizations here. I'm not saying this is universally true of everyone, but these are observations that I've seen uh, of others and of myself as well. Um, things that, as I was in my own echo chambers, uh, seeing how I responded to people challenging my beliefs. Um, so my hope is to give with charity uh, an opportunity for people to plead their case. And so um, ideally I would love to bring strong voices on to give them the opportunity to make their case for their particular doctoral persu- doctrinal persuasion. I'm going to be reaching out to some professors, reaching out to some strong voices and saying, okay, come on, make your case. I'll, I'll lay down some challenges to their view. I'll lay down um, you know, how, how some prominent thinkers have engaged with their view and how they wrestle through some of those oppositions. And I'll provide some, uh, just, just to hear them out, hear what they have to say about that doctrine. That would be I would love that. I really would love that if we could, if I could do that for each doctrinal series I'm doing, I would love to be able to bring someone on who could speak to that doctrine. But that's all Lord willing, time willing. Uh, there's a lot going on in my life, so we'll see what we can pull off. Uh, in the meantime, I'm going to, again, I'm going to try to interject charity by going to the strongest sources I can find for that doctrine. And when I'm talking about a doctrine, I'm using their language, uh, their understanding, and really trying to bring in uh how they discuss that doctrine uh, to the table. Not my assessment of it, but how they articulate that doctrine. And uh, so that means for like Arminianism, I'm not going to go to Jonathan Edwards to tell you what uh, an Arminian is or what they believe. I'm going to go to uh, Jacob uh, Arminius. Uh, That is something that I believe is just important uh, for us to do, is to be charitable uh, in our theological method, um, and I truly want to have the best case to be made for that doctrine because I want you to have the best case uh, for that doctrine so that you are now forced to engage with it on a strong level and you uh, have something tangible to work with. Uh, and that can produce some better theological uh, time, dialogue uh, within our, our communities, especially our online communities. 
uh, the last one here, and I got to get moving a little bit so I don't keep you here all day. Um, the last one I have is conversation. That's uh, the last tenet of practicing theology. Um, and, and I'll kind of give some, some personal background here. Um, after Scripture, there has been nothing more formidable in my theological journey than conversation. I mean, I think back to the earliest days of me being uh, saved, the first steps into theology uh, was through a, uh, a British radio channel called Unbelievable. I think it's actually Premier Christian Radio. There's a program they have called Unbelievable by Justin Brierley. And I loved it. It was, I mean, it's it's just different people dialoguing uh, about important topics. It could be political. It could be theological. Um, it, it, and I loved it. I, that, that has been very, very important for me. Um, I enjoy uh, that long-form dialogue that allowed differing viewpoints to be expressed uh, and to be challenged by someone who disagreed. It's so easy for me, to, for someone to sit in a monologue and tell you why they're right um, and never have that challenge. I mean, that's Proverbs eighteen seventeen. Uh, the one who first states a case seems right until the other one comes and cross-examines. So um, I think that's an important aspect of, of our theological method is, is that conversation. Um, Dialogue matters, and if we're doing theology and not having that meaningful dialogue uh, with those who we oppose, I don't think we're doing theology well. I really don't. If we're completely ignoring, if we're kind of putting our head in the sand and saying, okay, this is what we think, we're right, don't listen to anyone else, don't don't talk to anyone else, we've got it, we've figured it out. Um, I, I just don't think that's good theology. I think that um, there are other faithful brothers and sisters in Christ who disagree with you, who are spirit-led and who disagree with you. And, and not only today, but also throughout history, right? So this conversation shouldn't only be a horizontal conversation. It should also be a vertical conversation if we're thinking about a historical timeline. Um, we have to have these same conversations with others throughout history. What if people in history thought about this? Dialogue uh, matters. So to interject conversation into practicing theology, I'll be doing uh, two things. Again, another, I would love to host some meaningful conversations between scholars or strong voices on different topics. Again, I love it. I think it's very important. I think it's meaningful. I've learned a lot through that. I've been challenged myself a lot by that as well. Um, I think it's important for us to be doing that. And there's some really good sources that are doing that right now. I don't want to act like this is something that it's lacking. I think because we love debate, um, and because we love uh, disunity sometimes, I think that there's a lot of that on the internet right now, so I don't want to act like there's a, a vacuum of that. I, I just want to help to add to that um, in a more principled manner, in a different manner. Um, so, so again, Lord willing, I'd love to host, you know, a couple times a year, some meaningful conversations uh, on different topics. But when I'm going through and I'm presenting on a doctrine, um, my hope is to be setting that conversation or that doctrine uh, into conversation with other views that would disagree with that doctrine or nuance it differently. Um, I'll also be offering a broad look at its relationship to, to history. What have thinkers throughout history thought about this doctrine? Um, I will set that doctrine in conversation. I won't just... Uh, talk about Arminianism without talking about some of the strong challenges to Arminianism from like a Calvinist viewpoint. Um, I'm going to set the doctrine in conversation and that'll be in the examination portion of the doctrine. Um, so I will be trying to interject some of that conversation 
more artificially uh, through my own means. But again, Lord willing, I would love, love, love to host some dialogues between some thinkers. So if you are watching this and you know someone or you would love to hear a topic, reach out to me. I would, I would love to, to connect with people who would be interested in talking about uh, these important things. So that is the kind of rough rambling outline of the core tenets of practicing theology, but I really have yeah, been praying a lot about what this should look like, and uh, I really stand by these things. I really I really believe they're important. I believe they're valuable. I believe they're um, some things that could improve our theological discourse, and it could uh, also help to glorify God in what we're doing here. And that's ultimately uh, why I've been praying and why I've been trying to figure out how I should do this, because I don't want this to be an endeavor to glorify me. Uh, and there's always that risk of pride here. Um, I think this gets me outside of myself, but it also does something uh, within the digital medium to help to bring glory to God uh, through this new platform that we have to talk about theology that we did not have all throughout history. So the last thing I want to touch on is why I'm studying practicing theology. What is my impetus for doing this? I've been long, long trying to figure out what in the world I'm doing. I've been writing. I've been almost making videos, almost making podcasts. This is the first time I've really felt felt like it's time. And so I want to talk about what are some of the reasons why I'm starting practicing theology, at least as a vid, uh, video medium um, and, and, and doing it in this manner. So the first thing is I want to help Christians to explore theology. I want to provide that intermediate level understanding, um, and I want someone to enter into the conversation on that doctrine uh, and do it in such a way that it forces them to take the strongest articulation of that doctrine. And that's, you know, you've got Roger Olson in one of his books, uh, I think on Theological Method, talks about uh, two students he had. <laughs> I think it was in the, the course of the same semester. At the end of the semester, he had one student say, um, yeah, you, you, you just, I, you gave me too many options, just tell me what to think. And he had another student in the same course say, no, no, you didn't, you, 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 you did not give me all the options. I felt like you were trying too hard to push me to believe a certain thing. And I just love that. It's just a reflection of just uh, our own perspective on theology. And I'm definitely that, that second person. Um, I want to understand the range of options. I want to understand uh, what people have said historically on a doctrine. I want to um, think about it broadly. I want to hear the whole conversation from both sides. And um, so I want to help to provide that. I think it's important. I think it helps us to think clearer. Um, so I want to help to provide that. That's one big reason. I want to help Christians to explore theology. Um, some of these, la these second two are a little bigger. I do want to improve our theological discourse online. Um, I think if you're going to engage with another viewpoint or tell someone that their viewpoint is wrong, I think you not only have to present a case for your viewpoint, but you also have to engage with them at their strongest point. And I just, I think as Christians, it is too easy for us to forget that the digital medium is an outward facing platform. People from all over uh, the ideological, ideological spectrum can view um, our discourse. And if we truly believe these things that we are fighting and arguing for, um, we will be reflecting Christ-likeness in our theological discourse. And so um, I think we can't lose that, I, I, especially in such a public manner. I, I don't think we can do that. And so my hope is, too, that that doing this will in some way, somehow, some some minor way, improve our theological discourse to to set a different pace. I think um, there's a there's a, a channel called Gospel Simplicity. Uh, there's a channel called Truth Unites. I think those two have been uh, strong paradigms for me to see how that what it looks like to set that pace, uh, what it looks like to um, 
exemplify that. And so my hope is to just uh, add my voice to that and my, my own strategy and, and angle uh, in order to, again, help to to just change this tide in some way because it is it is not at a good state and it is not in a Christ-like state. And, and I think that if I can do anything to help to improve that, I, I would love to. Oh, knock my mic around here. Um, look, sorry, I'm looking at my notes here. So um, the last thing, the, the last purpose that I have for starting practicing theology, and again, this is a, this is a, a, a broader one, but it's, it's, it's really a, a burden for ecumenism. Um, and this is something that is important to me, and it is uh, something that I believe is a biblical concept um, that I believe is really central to the Christian identity. Now, don't freak out. Okay, I'm not saying ecumenism as in crossing uh, religious boundaries, right, or or crossing boundaries with from from heresy and non-heresy. There, in the journey for ecumenism, um, there needs to be real markers. There needs to be uh, boundary markers. Is probably what I want to say. There needs to be some type of uh, boundaries through which you cannot cross. Where that once you cross that line, there is no longer a a, a seeking of ecumenism or seeking of unity. Um, so that boundary markers are very very important. So don't hear me wrong when I say I've got a burden for ecumenism. I have a burden for ecumenism within those appropriate boundaries of historical orthodoxy. I believe that. Um, that is the ecumenism that I'm burdened by, is having unity in the body of Christ. And I, again, I think that's a, a biblical concept. I don't think you could argue it's not. And I don't. Uh, and I think it's also not only is it a biblical concept; it is, it is a central part of our Christian identity as a collective of individuals who are seeking to be the body of Christ, who are who are the body of Christ. I'm seeking who are the body of Christ, reflecting uh, His love, His kindness to us, to the world. And so I think that it's a part of our duty and our identity. Um, as Christians to seek unity within appropriate boundaries. And so with that being part of my bigger burden, uh, these three tenets, uh, clarity, charity, and conversation, um, they've been essential in my own journey to a more ecumenical heart. And so my hope is that it will help to cultivate that in others as well. It may not. You may It may not do that for you, but for me, I've always learned it's much, much harder to be at disunity with someone I disagree with when I understand them. And I think that clarity, charity, and conversation can help to generate that understanding, which my hope is that it will naturally um, improve some uh, unity in the body of Christ. So, um, wow, I'm longer than I wanted. I am sorry. This is longer for, for an introduction video, but um, I'd encourage you to like and subscribe and review comment and and do all the things. This is going to be on multiple platforms. So I encourage you to just do everything. Um, you could find more information about what I'm doing at www.practicingtheology.org. Um, I also have a Slack channel. No one's in it, just me. So I'm just talking to myself right now. Um, but I do have a Slack channel called Practically Theologians. Uh, and I want to invite you to that. I want you to, uh, to, to join me in um, having some of these discourse, expand this conversation. And again, um, it's along these lines of clarity, charity, and conversation, but I think it's a place where we can have some good, meaningful conversation uh, in written form. So I encourage you to uh, fill out our form online, or you can even just email me at mark at practicingtheology.org. So uh, thank you for watching. Uh, I, I pray that God blesses you and that uh, you continue to seek him and his wisdom uh, throughout the rest of your week. And uh, if you're online and you're seeing this, I encourage you to... Um, be clear, be
be charitable uh, and be in conversation with other brothers and sisters in Christ as we seek to uh, glorify God in everything that we do. Thanks and have a great day.